that's us we are live hi everybody um in case you don't recognize this face that's looking at you it is the zenith and this is another episode of the podcast of the spirit channel i'm recording in a different location um, and hopefully it's a bit more kinder to to my features but today i've got the lovely roxanne chapu um on with me and i'm, I'm so happy to have her on um we're gonna have a great conversation Roxanne is the founder of Roxanne Chapu Limited. Uh, she's a life and love coach. She is an inspirational speaker, spiritual guide, energy healer, and she does shamanic work. Um, in this work, sh- sh- uh, I was going to say shaman. <laughs> Roxanne helps people find their purpose in life and provides healing. And that is quite a resume, Roxanne. So very, very welcome. I'm actually delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. Um, I guess uh, I'm wondering kind of where we start here. I guess we need to kind of need to break down all this sort of stuff. But, you know, like you, we, we weren't always like that. And we we always start off somewhere in our on our path. And I guess these are just many... Um, I was going to say strings you add to your bow, but that's not quite the right, right metaphor. Um, arrows, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, like I guess are the kind of things that you've discovered about yourself and picked up along the way. But um, I guess for our, 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 our viewers and our listeners, um, they'd probably like to know a bit more about you and about um, the life that you led and kind of came to here, how you, you know, what brought you here and and that sort of stuff could you give us a maybe just a brief description of 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 your life yes absolutely so i always had this incredible knowingness inside of myself that i was kind of meant to do something greater with my life i ever since i was a little girl just people would naturally gravitate towards me they're like they would come to me for guidance for clarity even as a child and for wisdom and my mom always kind of found it odd and she was like, oh, like you should be a psychologist or a counselor or anything in like that realm of work. And I just, that just never sat well with me. That never felt in alignment with who I was. And I've always would ask like my friends and like people that I would encounter, like, do you guys feel like, you know, you're meant to do something great? Like you just know, like you have this crazy light inside of you, just like wanting to burst out and you know that you're going to do something to impact the world on like such a crazy level. And nobody really could resonate with those feelings. Like the closest it would be like, oh, like, yeah, I know what I want to do with my life, but not that they had this exact feeling that I had. So I kind of went through my life kind of thinking that I knew it was a bit different. I knew that I had a different connection with energy. I knew energy always followed me. I always felt energy. I always felt dark energy, light energy. I felt every type of energy. When I would meet people, I would instinctually like energetically know like almost their entire life without them having to tell me like it wasn't so much of like a psychic mediumship of anything of that capacity was just almost like the energy disruptions that they were carrying throughout their body. And I could see where the hurt and kind of that stuff was lying within them. And I, that always allowed me to be like super compassionate and empathetic because I always believe the best in everyone, no matter what mistakes we've made throughout our life. And I was working at a cancer center for about 13 years. And my my clients, my patients were palliative. Most of them were palliative patients. Very few were not palliative. 
And I had a pediatric population as well that I worked with. And it's funny because the parents of the pediatric population and like the adults that I was caring for that we were supporting through their journey would always refer to me as their angel. And they'd be like, oh, like you just had like such a calming nature, like, and they would share their whole life story with me. And, and keep in mind, like I wasn't their social worker or their psychologist or their neuropsychologist. They would just confide in me about their entire life without confiding into the one that they're actually coming to visit, you know? And uh, so every time they'd come to my desk, they'd be like, oh, how's my little angel doing today? And then I had this one incredible client that I was with for a few years. And she had told me that she was leaving, she was palliative, she didn't have very long to go. And she had said to me that, um, that her husband was going to kind of give me a gift when she had passed, and just to accept it and to like, and to think of her every time that, you know, I looked at it. So sure enough, about a month after she had told me that she had passed and her husband had came to my office. And he delivered me this beautiful little box um, with a note and a crystal angel inside. And she said, please carry this wherever you go. And like a beautiful message about like how I had supported and guided her through her journey. So I kept this angel in my rearview mirror <laughs> for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, so I had went through, you know, working at the cancer center, going through like tumultuous, unhealthy relationships to a very, very unhealthy marriage. Um, I just, after I had my daughter, I had this realization that I was not living in alignment with who I came here to be. I was just doing what I thought I should be doing as an individual. However, I wasn't functioning or calibrating myself at a soulful level. And when I left, um, I had gone into, um, well, I went into four near-death experiences. And the first near-death experience, I had went over a cliff. Um, somebody else was driving my vehicle. And we went over a cliff. And it was a 90-foot cliff. And we went 50 feet airborne. And we landed on a frozen lake here in Canada. And the only thing that wasn't damaged, and the police officers, the tow truck driver, everyone couldn't believe that we weren't killed on impact. And the only thing that wasn't <laughs> affected throughout the entire crash was the driver, myself, and this beautiful crystal angel that was gifted to me <laughs> in the rearview mirror. And this just kind of deepened my awakening and just allowed me to realize that I really, really wasn't doing like a service I wasn't serving the world like I was intended to like I knew this it was almost like it was it was so uncomfortable that I had no choice but to do it because <laughs> it was almost like a gnawing feeling so that's kind of when I started on you know going a little bit deeper into my self-mastery journey of you know life and love coaching and the healing modalities and like looking into my ancestry and having all like I had so many incredible signs along the way that really led me into shamanism. And that was the root of who I was. I was meant to be here to be a healer and to heal others and to awaken others. Beautiful. Absolutely amazing. I think um, you mentioned there you had like four near deaths. And I think even one of those would be enough to, yeah. to jar people potentially out of, out of, out of the comfort zone. But I think combined with all of the, the things that you've mentioned there and then culminating in that kind of first near death experience, it, it really must have shaken you out of your comfort zone, out of this, I don't know, this uh, this physical world and really made you start questioning your existence. 
Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned there the thing which is I'm really fascinated is that you kind of knew from an early age. I, I suppose we, some of us do, but for you, you just seem to have that, I don't know, that, that kind of closeness with friends where you're able to turn around and tell them, like, does anybody feel the same way that I do? You know, does anybody feel that we're meant to do something else? And I, I've talked about this in kind of some of my podcasts is that most of us, I guess, or some of us don't have that um, close environment of friends and relationships with people that they can open up to that. Some, a lot of people are kind of afraid that they'd be ridiculed or, um, kind of laughed at, you know, and, and considered maybe a weirdo if they started talking about that. So, I don't know it, it just must have been. Um, I don't mean so easy, but it, it just. I suppose you've heard this from other people, you know, that you're very kind of fortunate in that way to to be able to, to have that sort of close knit community of friends. Um, obviously, when you did kind of open up, you know, um, did you keep the same friendships and 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 relationships going because i know a lot of people when they go through their spiritual journey they they kind of discard you know other friends and previous relationships yeah i think that you know kind of when i had that realization when i was young nobody really knew how to kind of process that it was almost just like oh okay like she feels different however nothing more than that like nothing like oh like she's maybe gifted in some way because that was never spoken of that was taboo you didn't speak of of those kind of gifts you only spoke about your skills and your abilities of qualities that people could actually see and experience themselves something that was tangible something that was measurable so I think that you know being a young girl and I've always been open with my feelings I've always just told it how it is I've always spoke my truth and I think that in that essence like I never cared what people thought of me. And this, I think, makes me different from a lot of people that I've encountered is that I'm not here to please anyone. I'm not here to be likable to anyone. I'm here to just be myself. And I knew that at a young age, I just didn't know who that full self was at that young age. And I think I always had like that courage and that confidence within myself that I just even in high school, like at those, like, you know, more vulnerable moments, like going through like, you know, this era, this modern age of life, I just never cared what people thought of me because I loved myself in some way, or I just trusted that I was being guided on the journey that I was going to be and that I was going to be okay with that. And I didn't need anyone to support me friendship wise in order to get there. So I always had kind of that mentality. And I think almost that's what attracted people to me because they were like, oh, like, I wish like I had that. I don't give a, you know, yeah. shit factor, <laughs> um, you know, in that aspect. And I think that going, you know, into the stages of the awakening period, I think naturally when we go through awakenings and we go through ascensional periods, you know, through our self-mastery journey as we elevate, I think naturally we shed relationships and friendships that no longer serve us and that no longer vibrate with us at the vibrational level that we are going to and I don't think it's something that's forceful I think it's just something that naturally falls to the wayside and as much as we may grieve those relationships and friendships we also have this understanding and this knowingness that it's for almost the betterment of our growth because we're not able to grow maybe with that person by our side or that person in our support system brilliant absolutely fantastic it must have been so liberating but I guess I'm saying it must have been so liberating, but I guess you were experiencing it and, and probably, well, I don't know if anybody else was able to say to you, well, that's that's not how I was, you know, but I guess growing up and knowing 
that's not most people's journey. You know, I guess you must have realized, you know, well, why I kind of, I must be somebody quite different, you know, because most other people, as, as you said, there don't have that um, self-confidence about them, don't have that um, knowingness and assurity about them to turn around and say, well, I don't give a damn, especially through high school. Um, yeah. which is which is so thing because we're developing ourselves as a person we're trying to find our own personality you know we, well for most of us anyway we kind of look in admiration to other people and steal little bits of their personality for for ourselves why we why we kind of you know grow into ourselves so it, it just must have been such a liberating experience um and you, you're absolutely right you know when you say there i guess when people aren't on the same vibration as us, it, it's it's hard to interact with them. Um, we can't interact on our level, so we have to come down to their level to interact, and it just feels so limiting. So I think you're you're absolutely right there. We we kind of do need for our own personal growth to shed this here. I want to ask you about um about personal growth and about thing because in service, a lot of people consider you know, I need to help everyone. I need to be out there doing things for everyone. That's going to really, you know, provide the greatest amount of service in life. And I know that you've talked about this before, which I find very inspiring that, you know, if you're out helping, trying to help everyone, you're not helping anyone. The greatest service that we can do is is work on ourselves. And once we, you know, kind of grow into the potentially best version that we can at that time, then we begin to radiate that out and other people want to want to are attracted to our vibration. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're continually evolving as human beings and as divine beings. I think we're always flourishing. We're always understanding knowledge. We're always attaining wisdom. And I think with that being said, is that we are not meant to serve every single person and nor could we energetically, we would not ever be able to serve every person. We would be depleted. And I think that when we look at a self-mastery journey and we look at this, you know, betterment improvement journey that so many people speak of you don't need to be at a certain caliber in order to help someone else you're not you don't need to be at a certain caliber to heal someone else you don't need to be at a certain caliber to guide someone else however you have to make sure that your energy is focused within you and that you're healthily and readily available in order to service someone else because if your being is not service and you're serving everyone else you are going to crash very, very quickly and you will not be able to sustain that. You will not be able to have the sustainability that you need to do in order to carry out your mission. Yeah, fantastic. We, we spread ourselves too thin, I yeah. guess. It's like uh, the analogy that just came to mind there is like spreading jam. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you call it jam over there in Canada. Yeah. We call it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like spreading jam on the bit of toast, really. You know, if we spread it too thin. And yeah. we spread ourselves too thin. And as you say, we become burnt out and actually kind of resent what we're doing. And it's it's something that I'm learning to, you know, and I think, um, I don't know what you would call it, but obviously a lot of people or some teachings would say, you know, it's a kind of love vibration that we're experiencing, a green ray vibration, which we're beginning to, to learn about unconditional love. But part of that is, is, um, is, is kind of recognizing that we don't have to uh, be a martyr. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, exactly to that point. And I think that when we actually understand that, you know, like, you know, us being in the energy realm and working with energy, it's just as important to say no to someone that it is important to say yes to someone. And if something doesn't feel energetically aligned, and it doesn't feel in alignment with your soul, it's okay to say no. And 
it's better to say no. There's a reason why you feel that way. If you feel that, you know, it's just not the right time or it's not the right person or it's not the right connection, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. It's just as it's okay to say yes. And I think that being an empathic person and a compassionate person and working in, you know, energetic realms, it's very hard for people to have that distinction in order to be able to say no to a client. But sometimes for me, I'm very selective on who I work with because it's an energy exchange. I'm exchanging my energy to them and I'm helping heal certain aspects of them. And if their energy, all I'm getting back is trauma and negative and, you know, like all this toxic energy, like, I'm sorry, like that's not worth the exchange for me. Yeah. Um, that's a very important point there. And, and, and obviously we use trauma, you know, like most spiritual people that I've encountered have some sort of trauma mm-hmm. um, or multiple traumas or deep, deep traumas. But, you know, we, we talk about that a lot about the purpose of trauma and how it helps us, especially with you and your, your first um, near death experience about how that helps us um, detach from this physical world, you know, and start asking the bigger questions. But the the port the most important point of trauma, and you know, correct me if you think that I'm wrong here, is is that what we do with that trauma, how we grow and use that trauma. So many people get stuck in this kind of well, why me? You know, what have I done to deserve this here? And and don't move on and don't examine that trauma. It's the victim, it's the victim, and we're not victims of our life. We 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 can choose to be a victim, and victim victimization is going to get us absolutely nowhere or we could choose to be victorious and we can choose to rise to the occasion and allow that challenge that happened throughout our life to be an experience learned to be you know the knowledge learned to be what not to do in the next you know step of our life or the next milestone that we're trying to attain it's a learning experience and nothing that we have done and no trauma that we've experienced in our life is something that should go unnoticed or should go unrecognized in the same breath it should not define us our trauma does not define us and when we tie ourselves to the definition of trauma and we identify ourselves as you know, the trauma that we've experienced, we just allowed that power to be removed from our soul. And we allowed that power to be removed from our being. And we then gave that power to whoever conducted that trauma onto us. So I think that when we, you know, we're coming from the world of trauma, everyone has experienced trauma. It just may not be at the same vibration. It may not be at the same frequency. However, everyone has went through some type of trauma throughout their life. And trauma can signify different things. It doesn't have to be something that was catastrophic. It could be something that we were conditioned since we were children to believe that we weren't worthy of something. That's traumatic. That's something that affected our being for the rest of our life. One word someone said to us in high school, and look how many people carry that for the next 30 years. Trauma can look different for everyone. So it's up to us to decide what we want to do with it and how we want to rise from it. And I think of, you know, the Phoenix that rises from the ashes when there's a fire, or when there's a storm, there's a rainbow. And when there's a fire, the Phoenix rises from the ashes and no one can deter her at that point or him at that point. That's a fantastic analogy. I love that. Yeah. The Phoenix rising from the ashes and the, the rainbow after the rain and stuff. Brilliant. Um, you mentioned there about society, and I guess you're you're absolutely right. You know, one of the big things that, and this stuff, you know, we need to teach this stuff from an early age. You know, it doesn't get taught enough. You know, if, if we taught, <laughs> we if we were taught this, if we were taught, you know, the the reality of our life, of our spiritual life, you know, if all this stuff was taught to children, instead of being this prepackaged, um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. 
this kind of pre-packaged, um, you know, person who who goes to a, a school and is taught, well, that's not real. Even before that, you know, we're we're taught even by our parents who've been through the same systems we have. You know, look, you need to stop playing with that imaginary friend. That person isn't real. Grow up. You know, it's a do don't away with thing in the street. Don't sing out loud. Don't yeah, do that. Don't yeah. Do that. Don't be Suppress yourself. yourself. Don't, let, don't let your soul be free. Suppress, suppress, yeah. suppress. You know, so much suppression yeah. and depression. <laughs> yeah. No wonder Man, we're lost and we have such a high, you know, percentage of mental health. We're in, a, yeah. we're in a mental health pandemic, you know, like despite the other pandemic, we're in a mental health pandemic. Like people have lost touch with their soul, with their being, because we've been so conditioned and so conformed to be one way and fit in one box and fit in one mold that we no longer know what our individuality and what our actual gifts are at this point. Absolutely. And anyone who kind of tries to break free of that mold, you know, because I, I've obviously through my multiple awakenings, um, because I've had many like you, um, I've kind of had to try and break free as much as I can of that condition and say, well, I want to live my life this way. This is the way I want to look. This is the way I want to dress. This is the way I want to behave as much as possible. Um, I don't know about you, but I guess there's still certain things, you know, that, that we can't do. We have responsibilities and stuff like that. And it is such a shame because creativity is stifled and people who have been through that system that don't know any better, you know, are, are kind of like uh, the mole that pops its head up. You know, it's kind of whack-a-mole, you know, push that head back down, conform, obey, blend in, you know, don't be creative, don't express yourself. And people like that are kind don't of ridiculed. Disrupt. Don't disrupt, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. don't disrupt anything. People, people like that are kind of ridiculed, you know, for standing out. You know, so it's very hard, especially for younger people nowadays. Um, but as I said, you know, we, we obviously we go through that and our parents tell us quite quickly from an early age what's right, what's wrong. We're shipped off to a, a school which which pretty much serves us with 90% of what we never use. You know, we go through a, a high school or an elementary school or whatever it is you call it over there, then on to university and everybody's thinking the same. And because we're all isolated, because we're all separated in our minds, because we don't openly express our emotions and tell people how we feel, we keep all that stuff bottled up inside of us, don't we? And, and then we, we read our media that, and that kind of conforms to the world around us. So it is very hard to break free of that conditioning, that kind of worldview and, you know, live that kind of life that we were destined and born to be. Yeah, I I could not agree more. I everyone that I'm able to have this discussion with, I do have this discussion with. I think that our school system is flawed. I think that it's broken. I think that we need to be teaching our children and this is important as a parent that I'm teaching my children on how to be creative and how to be their individual and that I don't care what grades you get in school because this is the process you need to go through. I care that you're a good person at the end of the day and that you understand who you are at the soul essence of your being. And I don't care if you're a lawyer or a doctor or anything. I care that you're a good person. So that is my job as your parent is to guide you to be a good person and how to make good choices and to guide you on that path. I think the school system really needs to be structured as on an individual basis, like how does a child learn? What do they need to learn about themselves? Why are we teaching self-love? Why aren't we teaching self-respect? Why aren't we teaching self-dignity? Why aren't we teaching any of these self-analogies? Why aren't we starting in the self-mastery journey in school? Should this not be the educational system? 
because at the essence, we have to contend with who we are at the end of the day. By the time they get out of school in grade 12, they have no freaking idea who they are. And then they have to select a career that they want to do for a lifetime. Like it's everything about the system is flawed and it's unrealistic. Fantastic. I love that little rant that you, you had there. <laughs> it's true. So much, so much emotion behind it there. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah, one thing you mentioned there as well is, is mental health. And I had an interview there with um, a couple of people and it was really it was it was it was an inspiring interview. Um it was it was kind of like very important. Um these people have developed a system in which they deal with people who society has um chewed up and spitting out and said that they're worthless people with addictions, people with mental health issues, people with who psychologists have said have no help, people who self-harm and through spiritual psychology and introducing these people to the, the the beauty of themselves, you know, and, and developing that feeling within say them, that feeling with love. They have had a, an amazing success rate with people who have drug abuse, people with alcoholism, people who self-harm, who who didn't realize that they could be anything different from, from what they could be. And the, the guy said that um, he's had an almost 100% success rate in, in, in helping people overcome addictions, but he, 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 he's a kind of pains to say that he doesn't help anyone. He just makes people aware of the gifts and talents that they hold within themselves. And I guess if we took that approach to mental health, we wouldn't have this mental health crisis, as you, you quite rightly mentioned. Like if we were connected to our soul and we understood what we were here to do, regardless of our upbringing or regardless of what can happen in a childhood home, and we all know that that can be traumatic. However, I think that when we understand, and that's where a lot of addictions come from, a lot of addictions come from because people feel lost or they're trying to numb out a certain feeling because they don't feel like they're a part of this world or they don't feel like they're a part of their community or part of their home. So I think that when we are able to find that special gift that lies within someone and to really focus and hone in on what they have to offer the world and that they're not a defeat, everyone is here for a purpose. Everyone, no one was born on this earth plane as a mistake everyone has a purpose and for somebody else to have that judgment and to say that you are not worthy or you don't deserve to be here is absolute bullshit and I think that that person karma karma will will happen and nobody has that right to tell anyone that they belong on this earth or they don't they are not god they are not the almighty they are not source they are not they are not divine intervention so I think from that perspective it's just it's so important that we connect them with their souls and we're we're healing at a cellular level and we're connecting at a cellular level opposed to just the superficial that you need to be this certain person in order to be accepted and loved for who you are. Brilliant. There's that edge of anger coming out again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this gets my blood boiling because I love everyone. I believe yeah. everyone has a purpose. Even if we've made mistakes throughout our life, there's a reason why those mistakes have happened. There's a reason why some choose other things there's a reason why mental illness is the way that it is is because of people like that yeah kind of one of the things that kind of want to touch on and i don't really like getting into it too much because i can understand um how uh limiting limiting it can be and it can drag you down into that kind of world which really isn't helpful but it's this kind of idea that um what way should i put this here that maybe it's been designed that way on purpose oh i think 
100%. I think that if you're an intuitive person and you're an awakened person, you know exactly what's at hand and kind of the darkness that kind of surrounds us. And that's why it's so important for us that work in the light to prevail the light and to allow the light to prevail over the world, because this is why it's even more important today than it was a year ago, just because of the darkness that's having that overcast over the world. And to say that this is not okay, we will not accept this as light workers, angels, guides, and so forth, healers, etc. Yeah, so many people that I found, well, maybe not so many people, but I guess even people within the spiritual community who you think, well, maybe you should know better, or maybe because you are a spiritual person, you have that connection, they still get sucked into that um, we need to fight fire with fire and we need to t- make people aware of it. But they, and I have too, especially over this pandemic, we've all heard the stories and we've all got sucked into all these narratives and believing all this stuff. And I did too, but eventually I realized to myself, this isn't helping me. This is not, I don't feel like a nice person. I feel I'm getting angry with us here. And, uh, you know, I and need judging to judging others and judging, yeah. you know, the opposite. Like, yeah. But there's still so many people who are still trying to convince me of oh, you need to read this, you need to watch that. We need to make people aware of this here. But I think that I'm sure you'll agree with me. The most important thing we can do is to spread love even more, spread that light even more. That's the only way we're, we're going to make this change. Exactly. And we're feeding into the narrative of the negative narrative when we're absorbing that negative energy and going down that rabbit hole. And that's exactly what they want. So when we're in this dark matter and we're going down this dark hole, we're not shedding light and we're not spreading light. We're too absorbed into something else. And we don't even have the energy to disperse the light into the world because we feel this heaviness that lies upon us. So I think it's really important more than ever to disregard that. We know what's happening. We know because we're intuitive and we understand and we feel the energy and we feel the, you know, the disbalancement of the world And that's enough. We don't need to go and, you know, intoxify or prove or show anybody or I think people just need to awaken to what it is. And it's just by leaving small little hints like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, like maybe you should look into that, you know, like just leaving little drops. It doesn't have to be this whole gamut that honestly just drains you at the end of the day. Now you have nothing good when you have such good to give to the world. Now you're Now you're, you know what I mean? Like you're debilitating the world from receiving your light and receiving the good that you have to give out. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love hearing someone speak like that. It it really is so important for people um, who kind of are going down that path and you do get sucked into that environment really. And it's ultimately, I think it's, it's, as I've said in, in some of my stuff before, you can make yourself aware of that, you know, absolutely. It's not just all, oh, you know, there is no negativity. Forget about it all. It's love, light. It's love, light. Yeah, no. That doesn't work. It, it's a, it's a, I think for me anyway, it's a blend of truth seeking and, you know, ultimately spirituality. And I think it's, you have to make yourself aware of the dark, the darkness is out there in order to understand the light a bit better. Yeah. You know, so, and um, I think, Yeah, exactly. I think it's discovering the truth and understanding the truth. And we are truth seekers. If you know, if you are awakened, and if you are kind of down that self mastery journey, you are a truth seeker, because you are questioning your narrative, and you're questioning the world around you. So that that's amazing. And just like what you said, like, I think that when we're questioning those narratives, it's okay to have the acknowledgement and acknowledge what is happening and what is transpiring. 
you always want to know who your enemy is. You always want to know kind of what you're combating or what you're up against. And that's okay. But to go into this vortex of negativity and, you know, absorb yourself into it and lose yourself into it, because that's what ends up happening. You lose yourself. You lose your sense of hope. You lose your sense of like, just love you lose everything because now you're looking at other people that maybe have a different ideology or a different you know thought or like thought of process like process of thought and we're now we're judging them and we're hating on them because they they're not awakened and they don't understand what's happening and it's like shame shame shame, shame. we're falling right into the narrative that they want is dividing and conquering and creating that divisiveness between light and dark yeah, it, it, it's ultimately it's about the balance, really, isn't it? It's it, it's about the balance between understanding what's happening in the world on a physical level, but also kind of a, a metaphysical level, and you know, realizing that we're we're truly here to heal and we're here to, to anchor light and stuff like that. But let's dial back the clock a little bit because I want you to speak a bit more about because you mentioned your first near death experience, and yeah. you know, you're obviously a very um, articulate and intelligent person you know, who has a lot of good advice and that is only comes from, from someone who has self-realized and has achieved a level of self-mastery and understands a lot about themselves. So I, I kind of want to dial back the clock a little bit here and get you to talk about more of the, the near-death experience because I'm sure each each must have affected you in a different way and caused a, a more kind of deeper soul-seeking and stuff like that. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to, you know, go back on the first near death experience of going over the cliff. So I want to like pre, you know, like just preframe it a little bit. When I was a little girl, probably from the age of four till about 16, I had this reoccurring dream that I was going over a cliff, that my vehicle was going over a cliff or that I was falling off of a cliff. However, in the dream, it was open water, it wasn't a frozen lake. <laughs> So when that actually occurred, it was almost like a prophecy, like I knew that it was coming. And I've had a lot of those premonitions kind of come to me, like, even throughout my life, other near death experiences that would have been probably really tragic or, or terrible. I kind of knew they were coming before they were coming. I'd always get like these, these dreams, everything comes to me usually in a dream state. Mm. So yeah, so the next near death experience, it was actually three of the same similar, I continuously kept hemorrhaging from my uterus. So I was hemorrhaging to death on three different occasions, and they couldn't figure out the issue. They weren't able to resolve the issue. They kept missing it. They kept misdiagnosing me. And they kept like just even in the ultrasounds and everything they were they kept missing the actual thing that was allowing me to continue like continuously hemorrhage. So those were three different occasions within a six month span that I had nearly lost my life each time. And that to me was really, I, you know, like it really allowed me to awaken even further into my journey. And it really allowed me to look at my body as a temple and mm. what do I need to do in order to facilitate healing within myself why am I allowing certain things to happen in my life? Why am I allowing certain things to happen within my body or, you know, just to be with a different partner and like have that person have that connection to my body? How am I not thinking of myself as purity and like the temple that I am? And it just brought down this whole like incredible journey of like just understanding self-love and self-value of not just my soul, but of my actual physical being and my emotions. So it was actually really, really incredible. Yeah, and I guess a lot of people think that um, 
you know, when they look at people like yourself and all of the incredible things that you're able to do now and they, oh, I want to be like that person or I'd love to be like that. But, you know, the, these these abilities, these insights, they, they come at a price. I don't mean they come at a price, but in inner work, shadow work, working on yourself is the hardest thing that you'll ever do. And I guess initially, um, maybe not initially, but, you know, at some point where you think that you've done done it all and you're in a place of relative happiness and then you start to feel out of sorts you begin to feel out of sync and you know after a while for me anyway sometimes I'll try and avoid it I'll I'll put on music I'll listen to a bit of comedy I'll try to distract myself I'll think positive thoughts none of it works and then I realize you know look okay I know what's happening here I know I've more inner work to do in myself but I don't want to because I thought I'd done it all. So it, it's extremely hard, even for people who are at the level that you are, in order to even process that even deeper. As I guess um, <laughs> it's a bit like having uh, a hangover. Where you, <laughs> <laughs> we are never done our inner work. I know, never, you, you've, you've vomited <laughs> up and you're, you're down. I'm sorry, this, I know this is going to sound, but you're down to that very bile. You know, it's getting down to those really, really deep levels. You know, it's getting that poison within you. And it, it is so difficult, you know. Um, there's a beautiful quote, and I, I don't have it to hand from um, Quo. I don't know if you're aware of Quo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they yeah. talk about, like, you know, that um, at some point in your spiritual journey, you feel like you've done nothing wrong, you know, that, but yet you, you feel out of sorts. You don't feel that connection anymore. And you're wondering what's going wrong. Why am I not feeling this love? Why am I not feeling this connection? And it's just more or less along the lines of like, well, you haven't done anything wrong. It's because you're so close to the light that you see every blemish, every chink in your armor. And that's exactly what happens to us when we're, we're, we're looking at that inner work. Yeah. And I think when we when we talk about self-mastery and we talk about awakenings and we talk about the essential periods that happen within our self-mastery levels, I think that a lot of us, you know, especially those that are maybe aren't as advanced yet or haven't started their journey yet. It's messy. It's confusing. It's conflicting. It's you, you're grieving, you're losing relationships, you're using friendships, because so many things, like you said, are coming to the light that you're actually realizing that these things aren't serving you on an energetic level or on a soulful level. So I think that when we talk about awakening, it's not all like this beautiful bliss and peace and happiness. It's about diving deep and getting nasty and getting in the shit, like you said, and getting in the mud and figuring it out. And, you know, it's not pleasant. Like who wants to go into their poo? And you know, <laughs> like no one does, you know, like no one wants to go through that. But with with that growing pain comes growth and with growing pains comes beauty and allows us to be even more elevated in our journey. And it doesn't mean elevated over anyone else that has nothing to do with it. We all have our own self mastery journey to go through. It's just that when we're able to go through that, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not going to be easy, but is it going to be worth it? Hell yes. Yeah. And you obviously mentioned our toxic relationships. I guess part of that awakening process is, 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 dispelling or dispensing with toxic relationship whether it's a partner whether it's a loved one it could even be family or or friends yeah but at some point i guess you know in order for us to prosper and grow we we need to uh move on and 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 stop associating i guess with people who really 
um, are, are just holding us back. And I know that you have a lot of good information, you know, to talk about that because I've, I've listened to you. Could you talk more just about that, especially for anyone who's watching or will watch or will listen to this here that, you know, their ears have pricked up about this because there are so many people who are in toxic relationships who, who don't know how to move on. Yeah. So the first question, you know, like, I guess how I'm going to start this is that, you know, when we were talking a little bit earlier, and we were speaking a little bit earlier about, you know, what the victim and like, why did this happen to me? Why did I get this shitty partner? Or why am I in this crappy relationship? In that sense, like, when we can't really question why, you know, challenges arise in our life, because we don't question the good things that come into our life. We don't question like why we we receive love, why we receive happiness. So it has to be a balanced spectrum. We can't just question one thing and not question the other. Life is meant to happen. Our spiritual guides, our animal guides don't care what kind of life we had. They just are so ecstatic that we are enjoying this human experience and this life experience. So when we have these unhealthy relationships and we're in these toxic relationships, it all comes down to one thing. It's fear. And it's fear that we are not worthy of something better and that we are not lovable to have that kind of sustainable, that enlightened love that we are seeking. So when, and I had to do a lot of self-reflection on this as well. And a lot of inner, you know, work on this is that I never valued myself because if I did value myself and I, and I love myself the way that I should have, I would never have been in the situation that I have been in. And that's my accountability to hold his actions were his accountability to hold. And same thing with any partner. However, the accountability on me is that I never felt worthy of good love. And I settled because I thought that's what we should do. You don't need to do anything that doesn't feel in alignment with your soul. You don't need to stay in an unhealthy relationship because you're scared to be alone. That means that you need to be alone even more in order for you to go through that beautiful self-mastery journey in order for you to actually love yourself. Because when we love ourselves and we validate ourselves, we don't need external validation from anyone else. That inner peace comes from within and you will never be able to attain that or it'll be very extremely challenging to attain that when you're with someone who is constantly, constantly belittling you or allowing you to feel unworthy of love or unworthy of being treated properly. So we have one physical life on in this lifetime. And it's like, do you really want to be with someone who doesn't see your worth and your value? Let alone, do you even want to be with yourself knowing that you don't see your worth or your value? So I think when we're in these toxic relationships, it's about, is it worth it? Is this worth the hardship that it's going to cause in your life? Because it will never get better. We can tell ourselves it will get better to the blue in the face, that they'll change, that we'll change or that, you know, whatever the situation is. However, at the end of the day, when it's a misalignment and it's not a good energetic match, it can never be a good match. And it's okay to not want an unhealthy relationship. And you don't have to stay there just because you have children. Like I left with three children on my own. Like you don't have to stay anywhere where you're unhappy. Brilliant. Do you know what I was, you, you must be psyche because that's exactly what I was just about to say to you. I was going to turn around and say, well, that's okay for you to say, but in the hypothetical situation that someone has three children, and I can't think, but you've just you've just said it. Fantastic, absolutely brilliant, brilliant. And you you mentioned there the the very important thing about self love. We were always looking for validation from other sources, aren't we? We're looking for love in 
people think, and I know I've written about this and my own higher self, my own guides have given me that information to write um, about this idea of I don't have any love in my life. There is no, you know, I'm not loved. Self, you know, love comes from within. You know, once you begin to realize your own value, you know, so many people, we're our own biggest critic, aren't we? And um, we constantly belittle ourselves and uh, self-flagellate ourselves for our flaws and shortcomings and stuff like that. And once you kind of awaken in this process, um, there comes a, po- a point in it, like yourself, like me, where you begin to realize your own self-worth. You begin to realize, you know what, all these negative things that have been said about me, society, you know, says about people like me or whatever the case may be, or all these things that my ego constantly tells me are not true. I am someone who is worthy of love. I am someone who has a lot to give this world. I have so many good qualities and I am a unique and important being. And you know what? For me, it was, um, I talked about this before. For me, it was, um, I could never look at myself in the mirror. I could never look at my reflection. Um, it wasn't that I kind of found myself, you know, phys- physically ugly, although I'm no bra pit, but. Um, <laughs> I'm not true. <laughs> I guess it's kind of this idea of, well, what you're actually looking at is you're looking into your eyes and the eyes are the window to the soul. And, and they don't walking. lie. Yeah, they don't lie. And I guess I just hadn't come to terms myself. I hadn't got that idea of, you know, like it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. Everybody has something about them, you know, that they don't like, that they don't want to show in public. You know, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have those things. So we tend to hide them away and shove them in the closet. They're the ugly, deformed sibling or or child we don't show to the world really. But those aspects of us are there to help us grow. They're there as much a part of us as, as there is. So once you begin to accept them and begin to love them and offer them love and integrate them, then you can move forward. And then nothing, kind of nothing then really frazzles you. You know, you don't particularly care, as you say. You learned that from an early age about, you know, like, I don't care what people think of me. I am who I am. You know, that statement, I am. You know, so I guess I just want your thoughts on on that idea of self-love. And I think that that is so great. And I think that self-love is the most important love. And this is why I think it's one of the most, you know, difficult things to acquire throughout our lifetime is because ever since childhood, you know, like either our parents or even in the school system, if we weren't a certain way, then we weren't accepted. Or Mm. if we, you know, like, so this stems from like years, years, years of trauma to our being. And then, you know, you add social media and you add comparison and you add judgment and you add all these things to the mixture and you see all these people living these perfect lives and that they're perfect and all these Photoshop and these filters, yet not realizing that that's not actually reality. So I think even for our younger youth, it's even more important to practice self-love and to show them what self-love is. And it's not about being you know, arrogant. It's not about arrogancy. It's about trusting yourself and loving yourself. And when we talk about self-love, I think that it's really important is that at the end of the day, with your physical, you know, vessel aside, do you love the essence of who you are? Do you love the being that is radiating, you know, beneath you? Do you think that you're a kind person? Do you think that you are a good person? Do you think that you are a loving person? Do you think that you're a nurturing person? Those are the things that matter. Nothing about your physical, like your physicality, your physical appearance matters. And this is where we're fooled. We're fooled to think that our physical 
signifies and has more importance than our internal beauty. And this is where we get, you know, like all of this contradiction where the, you know, like people who maybe aren't as good looking as they say, but have beautiful souls, they get discarded because they don't look a certain way. I think it's whoever allowed us to think of this ruse and to allow this to be true. It's a completely flawed system. And I'll tell you right now, this wasn't always the way we didn't always care about a physical appearance. There wasn't cameras, there wasn't this, there wasn't probably mirrors, you know, like thousands and thousands of years ago. So I think that we set it upon ourselves as society and we allowed that to be the norm and we allowed beauty to be prevailed by social media and what social media dictated to be beauty. And that is not beauty. Absolutely right. Uh, very well said. You know, I've spoken about some of this stuff myself as well. And um, I guess it, it, while it is important to look after the physical vessel, if you're neglecting the mind and especially the spirit, yeah. because we are mind, body, spirit complexes, each yeah. of these aspects is, is as important as one another but as you rightly say at some point in our society we've allowed physical beauty to to dominate and I guess that's actually a throwback to I was listening to something there recently and something struck me it, it's a throwback to this idea of survival and, and and breeding and stuff like that where you know you kind of look at somebody's physical appearance or their their physicality and determine you know whether or not they're a good um breeding partner so I guess you could turn around and say, is it, it's almost a regression of sorts right. towards those old ideals and really we should be moving away from them. I guess when we look at concepts such as the way like advanced beings are betrayed on television and in media, they're kind of generally sexless, bald, thin, because they've spent most of their time developing the mind and the spirit rather than the physical complex you know, so it's just an interesting comparison. And, and I think things happen in cycles, don't they? You know, you mentioned there, but it wasn't always like that. Um, certainly back in, in Roman times, you know, it was an attractive thing to be uh, obese because it yeah. determined then that you had wealth and, and food and stuff like that. Whereas nowadays, the idea of being obese is, is, is unattractive. Um, so, yeah, I think that's absolutely important. So let, let's talk about some of the things that you do, because we mentioned there in the beginning um, about quite a lot of the, 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 um, the, the arrows, the arrows, not the book. <laughs> the arrows that you have in your Twitter. Arrows. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so, so let's talk about, you know, you're an energy healer and you've mentioned that as well. And I, offer my services as a healer as well, but I would love to know what, what it is that you do and what similarities there are and what differences, you know, there would be in, in whatever it is that I do. Absolutely. So I'm more of a traditional healer. So a shamanic healer, uh, as I'm sure you know, but perhaps the audience doesn't know, shamanism has been around for over a hundred thousand years. So this is a tried and true traditional healing modality. And back then, it wasn't necessarily labeled as a shaman. It was like the medicine man, medicine woman, or, you know, energy healer or guide within a community, within a tribal community. And shamanism is not religion. So I just want to be very clear on that. Shamanism is all about connection to your own spirit, your own spirituality, your own soul. So with shamanism, it's funny how it kind of came across because I am Métis, I'm French, and I'm Native, I'm Indigenous, um, and that is... Um, the indigenous culture here in Canada. And my ancestry comes from healers. And I didn't quite know this. <laughs> um, 
you know, a few years ago, because our history wasn't spoken of, our ancestry wasn't spoken of just because of some traumatic things that had happened to my grandmother. So I had had this dream for almost four months straight of this beautiful indigenous woman coming to me in my dream. And she was standing in front of like a ravine and there was teepees beside her. And the connection to her felt like she was my grandmother, like my maternal grandmother. And she had her hands out to me and she kept hymning this beautiful melody. And for four months straight, the same dream. And I would wake up and I'd start humming the song. And my partner was like, wow, that's a beautiful song. I'm like, that's what she sings to me. Like, I, I don't know where it comes from. I'm like, maybe, you know, subconsciously I picked it up somewhere and I'm just, you know, repeating it into my dream. So I'm like shazamming everything. I'm trying to see where maybe the song had come from. And then I had met with a, uh, an elder from my community, a Métis elder from my community. And he said, I told him about the dream. And, and he's like, she's calling you the land. She's calling you to the land. I'm like, calling me to land. What does that mean? Like, what land? Where am I going? <laughs> Where do you want me? And uh, so then I had met with a spiritual guide shortly after that. And she said, no, she's calling you to the land to heal. It's, come, it's time to come and be a healer. Like, you, you're meant to be a shaman. So I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. Like, where am I going? And she's like, it'll come to you in dream. You'll know she'll come to you. She'll tell you where you need to go. And you'll kind of just have that insight. I was like, wow. Okay. So the last night that I had the dream before when I had the realization. So when they, they kind of had told me what was happening, I had one last dream and it would her same thing. It's like repetitive. It was almost like a movie. You could just kind of put it on repeat and I woke up that morning. I was like, I told my partner, I said, I need to go to the healing ground. I need to go and heal. I need to go. And I went to these traditional healing grounds that are known for indigenous healing grounds. And I went to these grounds and it's pouring rain. Okay. It was a pouring rain day. It's a two and a half hour drive. And he's like, oh my goodness. Like you're going in the bush by you, like the forest by yourself. I'm like, yeah, like there's bears, there's wolves. I'm like, yeah, I like, I need to do this. Like I'm being called. Like, I know I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be protected. <laughs> he's like, okay, have fun. So then I went to these beautiful healing grounds. And like I said, it was pouring rain and I saw this beautiful healing rock. And I do smudging ceremonies. So it's a, like a, it's a native indigenous ceremony where we smudge with sage, cedar, tobacco, and all that. So I'm smudging on this rock, on this stone. And I, all of a sudden, like, I just felt the connection that I was like reconnecting with my soul. And I had felt that on the drive there, like I was crying profusely and I'm not a crier. I'm usually like, it takes a lot for me to kind of get to that emotion, but it was almost like a release. It was like, I was reconnecting with my soul and I'm on this rock and I'm smudging and it's pouring rain and not one drop had hit me the entire time that I walked through the forest or that I was sitting on that rock for over four hours. Not one drop hit me, not one mm -hmm. drop of rain hit me. And all of a sudden I started getting a vision of her, of like the, my, my ancestry, like the culture, like the shamanism, like of the land I was understanding. I was feeling the vibration and the energetic shift of of the earth, of the trees, of the grass, of like the, I could, I could smell the animals within the forest. And all of a sudden a deer comes out, a bunny comes out, a chipmunk comes out and the chipmunk is like literally kind of like hanging out with me on the rock <laughs> and I had no food. So, I mean, it was, it, should, it shouldn't have had an incentive to come and sit beside me. And yeah. And I just like, it was like that reconnection to mother nature, reconnection to the wind, to the water. It was just such an incredible experience. And after that moment, I was never the same. I 
had healed a part of me at a cellular level that I just, I didn't know that needed to be healed. I didn't know that I was a healer. I knew I worked with energy. I just didn't know to what facet and to what extent. And when I went through that experience, I was like, how can I do this for others? How can I heal others? And then I'm sure you know about shamanism is that you can't be a shaman unless you're initiated into being a shaman, that you're called to be a shaman, or that you're born into being a shaman. And you always usually need a mentor in order to kind of confirm and initiate the shamanism. So when I had that confirmation, it was so incredible. So then I had brought in so many people to these healing grounds to see if I can affect healing on everyone and it worked for every single person. So then I knew I was actually, in fact, a healer. Wow. That is such a beautiful story. Um, and do you, because um, I think that uh, you sent me like a, a, a native word um, and I'm just kind of like, oh, I have to look that up. And I, I actually meant to remember this here. I, mean, I need to write this stuff down so that I can send her a message or I can speak this kind of <laughs> indigenous Canadian native tongue or whatever, but I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And I guess... Um, just uh, just elaborate slightly on that as well. You know, they, these old cultures and these old um, ways of doing things, they need to be revived. And I guess there is a, a, a very much a big revival of that culture and these old ways of healing and of um, being connected with the earth and honoring the earth and honoring the elements. And obviously part of that is bringing up these these beautiful languages that we have kind of rough shot, shot over because within those languages and certainly it's it's a situation with with the native language of this culture is that there's such a beautiful tongue to speak and they also have so many different beautiful words for describing you know the elements and nature itself so i i, I think that's fascinating i actually just missed the trick there so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that's fantastic um so how, how is it that you help people then or how is it that you heal people you know through this here what is it you do in order to help them heal yeah, so absolutely. So the way that I use my healing modality is traditional healing. So I use native drumming. I use native rattling. I use um, any type of musical frequency in order to get them into the trance, in order to get them to be able to connect with their actual spiritual self so that they can connect with their spiritual guides and their animal guides. And once this work is done, then they're able I guide them in order to be able to ask the right questions to the spirit guides, because we can all ask questions to our spiritual guides. However, if we're not formulating the questions properly, we are not going to get the answers that we require. We're going to get kind of a jargon or just, yeah, you should do that. But you didn't ask me, what are you going to learn from that experience? And I would have told you that you're going to, you know, like say for marriage, like, should I marry this person? If we ask our spirit or animal guides this, they're going to say, absolutely. Yes, of course you should. You're going to have a great experience. Like, that's a life experience. However, the, the right way to have formulated that question would have been, what am I going to learn from marrying this person? What am I going to learn to connecting with this person? Well, they're going to tell you, you're going to learn, you're going to learn what being unfaithful is, you're going to learn what mistrust is. And then that's now up to you, like, do I really want to learn that throughout my lifetime or not? So when we talk about spiritual guides and animal guides, it's not just asking like, why, like, how do you help me? It has to be very, like very specific, very formulated questions in order to get the right answers. And the answers don't aren't always imminent. They don't always come right away. Sometimes we have to wait a year. Sometimes we have to wait a day. Sometimes we wait a month and they'll show up in the signs that kind of, they will reveal themselves to us. So once I connect, have that connection and I'm able to connect them with their guides in that way, 
I just guide them on how to do like their soul retrieval and how to actually be succinct with their soul, the four levels of their being. So not just because a lot of people are only connected with their physical, their emotional and their mental. And a lot of us forget the energetic level and the spiritual level that lies within us and spiritual, not meaning religion, just our actual the essence of our spirit. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, obviously, I, that's, that's obviously shamanic healing. And I, I obviously work as a healer and just kind of provide that, that kind of energy to, to people and just kind of make people aware of the true healing lies with them. I'm only a facilitator. Um, so you also offer service in which you're a spiritual guide. You connect with people's spiritual guides. And I'm guessing that that kind of um, feeds into that or the energy yeah. healing plays a big part in that. So what, what is that about and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So spiritual guidance, I always refer to is that we would never travel somewhere unknown, especially in the spiritual realm and the energetic realm. We would never travel anywhere unknown without a GPS or without a map. And that is what a spirit guide is, because it can be very overwhelming. The process can be very overwhelming and it can be overbearing. So I think that it's always important to have a guide kind of facilitate you through to for you to understand what is happening. Because the answers that you're seeking are not on Google. They're not on YouTube. They're not with a friend. They're not with a family member. They are all lie within you. So it's being able and being guided in order to retrieve those answers from within. And a lot of people have a really hard time because they feel blocked that they're not able to access that information. So that is, in essence, why I do the spiritual guidance in conjunction with the energy healing. You also mentioned, because I remember listening to this here, that you get seem to get a lot of intuition about that person. It, it's not that you're giving them a psychic reading or you're giving them a, a reading from someone's past. It, it, it's more, as you say, on a soul level, a solar level, where you, you're kind of tapping into that and, and telling people what they need to know from, from or about their souls. Yeah. And that to me is important. I read energy. I can, I can tell where the imprints of the energy are that are disrupting the energy fields. And as you know, we have chakras that are within our body and those all aid in our energy of our being. So if any of those chakras are out of balance or disrupted, it affects our entire being. So that to me, I can usually tell right away where the energetic disruption is happening within, within the solar level, within the energetic level. Yeah, this is this is on a knowing, a deep kind of knowing. Would you be aware of people's energy? Would you see people's energies, auroras, and stuff like that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, someone asked me about that today or yesterday. I think it was yeah. like, oh, can you read auras? Do you see it? Like, yeah, but yeah. not right now because I'm working and stuff like that. So don't ask me to do it now. It it yeah. it's not something that like just like visually i'll see someone and i know already there's something and then all of a sudden the channel will come through me and it's just like okay this is where it is this is what's happening i can almost tell someone's whole life story by just looking at them looking in their wow. soul the eyes i can tell yeah. almost their entire life story i can tell the hardships i can tell the disruptions i've never been put off guard by someone sharing their story and be like oh i didn't know that because <laughs> you yeah. Just, yeah i just knew People seem to think, but it, you know, it's 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 something that you know you can like that. There, are, it's generally we have to be in that kind of vibration or, or ready for it or be sort of prepared. It's not kind of something that you just go, okay, well, I'll, let me just consult this here. You know, right. put my <laughs> my spiritual phone or my pocket and dial in there. Um, 
And I, and you know what? I always consider us like kind of like spiritual human telephones, you know, it's like we're channeling from spirit and then we're, we're giving the message and we're relaying the message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just some people think you have that connection 24 seven and it's, no. it doesn't work like that. And um, so what about, um, uh, well, I didn't actually find this, but I know that one of your other things is about helping women yes. as well. You, you run something about that. Can you talk us a, bit, a little bit about that? Yeah. So to me, my soul's mission is really guiding women soulpreneurs. I feel, and what a, what a woman soulpreneur is. Everyone asks me this. I'm like, I just make up words that really yeah. with my soul. <laughs> I don't care if they're in the dictionary or not. It feels good in my soul. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, so a woman soulpreneur is really a woman that dedicates her life and her soul's mission in order to run a business, doing something that she is truly passionate about and truly is in alignment with her soul. So I have made it my mission to help these women kind of further their missions because I know that these women can impact the world on a greater level because they're already slightened awakened and that they're ready to shed their light. They just have so much healing that needs to happen in order for them for their light to prevail and to kind of burst throughout their pores. <laughs> so for me, you know, guiding women soulpreneurs, I feel like when we affect one woman, we affect a minimum of the 10 closest people that surround them, including their family, the children. And that's kind of the impact that I want. So that's kind of my focus um, at this point. I will heal anyone. Like I will work with anyone that I feel like an energetic connection to. However, this has been kind of my mission because I feel like they, they resonate and they stay true to who I am as well. Yeah. Women obviously are, should I say feminine or femininity? Um, it is that quality because ultimately, you know, we have all of these qualities in the us, even if we're born in the masculine gender or the feminine gender, as you well know, like we have these qualities in the us, and obviously the, the feminine aspect of us is the one that has that deep connection. I think I read that uh, the physical universe is masculine, but the spiritual universe okay. is feminine. feminine. And this is why we have femininity, um, not femininity, feminine intuition, yeah. because feminine femininity not necessarily females or women um have that deep intuition about things and i think we're seeing a lot of that in the world today i hadn't really planned to talk about this but why not um (laughs) we're seeing a lot of that in the world today i guess a lot of these groups are set up like um oh yeah i'm this kind of um you know divine and woman and this kind of it's not actually about that it's about developing these feminine qualities we see a lot of women I've certainly seen them too, that they are very, their masculine side is very dominant within them. Yeah. You know, they, they're very masculine. And we see a lot of men who a lot of people would mistake for being of the, the, the gay gender who are very feminine. But it does not actually mean that. It just means these qualities are, are within one another. And this is what femininity is. When we talk about the divine feminine running, returning to the world, it's that, I guess, the patriarchy um, has been so in... Uh, in dominance over these last thousands upon thousands of years and you know when we look back at all the ancient gods and goddesses they worshiped the divine mother they worshiped the um the divine feminine aspects of gods were always always feminine in nature and that has been largely suppressed and you know women subjugated and so we're seeing a return to that and this is obviously to do with the, the energies that are increasing the earth and i think it's not about having one or the other but it's about rebalancing that 
overbearing toxic masculinity that has caused so much harm to the world. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And just like to the point you said, when we have, everyone has feminine and masculine energy that lies within them. And that doesn't mean that you're a female or that you're a male. It just means that you have both energies working synergetically together. And there'll never be like a consistent balance between the energies. It'll always be kind of like a beautiful flow, like a give and take, a give and take. And that's how we would have a beautiful synergy of feminine and masculine energy. So when we're calibrating ourselves more on the masculine energy, I want to think about energy as female energy being water. She's fluid, Mm -hmm. she's flowy, she's creative, she's free. And the masculine energy is more of like the construction of, you know, of protection, of, you know, having something concrete, of being able to have the stability. That's what masculine energy is. So you can have a cup without water, yet it's just a cup. But when you have the water in the cup, you're able to absorb both energies and vice versa. If you have feminine energy without masculine energy, you just have water everywhere and you're not absorbing any of the actual feminine energy. So I think it has to be a beautiful divine intervention of both energies. And I think that when we're, you know, as we're seeing the world is running a little bit more in its masculine energy, and it's just now starting to shift more into the feminine energetic side that all these light workers, all these creatives are kind of coming to the light and they're coming to the forefront. I think it'll end up being like a really beautiful energetic exchange as long as we keep understanding that we need both energies in order to feel fulfilled within us. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's about the balance between the two. It's not either or. Despite our celebrities and politicians and this whole stupid gender pronoun movement, you know, like, oh, I'm Mrs. and Miss beside my name. Well, I'm, you know, it's it's completely the opposite way. I want to talk slightly just about, um, I, I don't know, I guess you might have your own thoughts, but I've talked about this kind of love energy, a green ray vibration heading the earth. And while a lot of people like us are embracing that, it brings up a lot of trauma, a lot of um, aspects of people that they weren't aware of before. It's bringing up a lot of inner work for people. And while a lot of people are moving forward embracing that, a lot of people, similarly on the, the opposite side of that, a lot of people aren't energetically ready for that yet. And I think they're actually progressing towards a more kind of primal, basic, and tensy, this idea of pronouns and stuff like that as a kind of re- regression or outcome of that. Could yeah. you maybe offer your own thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with your... I agree with your insight. I agree with what you've kind of been observing. I think that's exactly what's happening. I also think that when that regression is happening is that it's the fear of change, the fear of evolving is that we regress back into what we know, into our animalistic behaviors of the human being and not of the actual spiritual being. So I think that when, you know, such a great change is coming upon us, we just have to embrace it and stop creating the resistance. Because when we're creating that resistance, we're going to get more resistance in return. And that's where we're going to feel like we're drowning in it or that we feel like we're overwhelmed by what's about to come. So I think that when we just submit and we just allow what's going to happen, because we have no control over that, Mm -hmm. we have no control over the energy that's kind of coming this way. And I think that when we have that perspective and that mindset is just to be able to allow things and just to find the peace from within. And that's where the peace from within really needs to be even more prevalent today than it was yesterday at that point. 
Yeah, brilliant. And it, I guess this is why you're, you're offering courses like this here in order to help people connect with that, your soul to soul journey. It's finding the essence of who you truly are. Um, you're offering an, an enlightened love journey, your build a relationship with the self. It's to help people understand and deal with these shifts and emotions that they're kind of going through. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have shifts. I think it's okay to experience every human emotion that we have within us. We have over 27 emotions that it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to feel, you know, overwhelmed. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel happy. It's okay to feel all those. Just don't stay stuck in your negative emotions. So I think like the journeys that I offer is really, I really want people to connect to their soul because I know that I come from an angelic kind of lineage. And I know that this is my mission is to bring this light and this love into the world. And when we have everyone calibrating at their soul level, this world will be energetically so much different than it is today, because we are going to take the materialistic and the physicology of the world and just allow us to actually be functioning the way that we're supposed to be functioning within our, within our beautiful, you know, bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. That's it, it's sounds to be just so important for people to to who are kind of lost and don't know where to turn to maybe take advantage of of these things that you can offer, you know, to find out who they truly are and what their purpose is in life. Um, just on top of everything that that you're kind of already doing, because I know that you're an extremely busy person. <laughs> <laughs> A very filled calendar. You've just turned around and told me that Dan, you're going to be starting doing your own podcast now. On top of that, and I know that listening to some of your interviews, there have been a couple of uh, the interviewers have suggested this to you. So, I kind of wondering what what's what that what that looks like. What is that going to sound like? You know, what is Roxanne's podcast? Is it going to be all about coaches? Is it going to be you giving your own advice? Like, no, it's not okay. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, So it's going to be called Soul to Soul with Roxanne. I'm just wrapping up a few other details. And it's going to be cellular connection. So connecting on a cellular level with my guests and having deep soulful conversations about everything and anything in hopes that people will have some realizations and some activations happening from this podcast. So that is really the most crucial thing to me is to get the messaging out and to have these incredible guests on my show so that we can kind of shed light in every aspect of our being. Well, mm-hmm. absolutely good luck with that. I'll, I'll be listening in myself. Um, my You're going to be a book. guest, right? Because <laughs> I'm coming to you to be a guest. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> if I'm going to be a guest and anybody show you, it'll probably be yours. Um, it's... <laughs> I'm saying good luck with it because it's an exhausting and very time-consuming thing. I can I can tell you that much. Um, it's much easier just giving your own thoughts out. But yeah, that that's a, absolutely fantastic. And you know, I guess um, we just want to move on and, and talk just before we we kind of wrap this up about finding your soul purpose. And we've talked about this before. You mentioned that you know your lineage stems from from Mark Angel Michael. You're there to guide people who feel out of place in this world. Um, We've talked about that. I've talked about that in my own podcast and my own journey. I've never felt part of part of this world. Um, Part of your mission um, is is that you want to support homeless and orphan children. Um, And they're the people who lack love, as you say, support, guidance. You want to build them homes, build them a loving community, honor and foster their gifts. And knowing that, um feeling of feeling out of 
place in the world, not feeling like you belong, having no one to turn to. And it, it's it's like something that sticks in you, no matter how happy you are. I've had people say to me before, you know, you're, you're never going to be truly happy. Um, you need to go off and find yourself. But it's always this idea of going, no matter how happy I am, I still feel there's something missing in my life. There's just something that I'm not aware of. And people like that turn to to alcohol, they turn to addictions, especially drug addiction, in order to try and escape or quell those feelings. They they end up homeless, you know, they all sorts of potentially what we would call horrible things happen to them. So your your sole purpose in life is to help people like that. Could you talk a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. And for me, um, I just don't have the actual funds to do it at this point. And this is why I'm working so hard to build my empire and my entity is to be able to offer this to children because I feel, I mean, it would be open to anyone really, but my, my goal is to help and facilitate this in children because this is the beginning stages of where they start to feel that way. So I really want to be able, I don't want any child homeless. I don't want any child without food and without the necessities of love and guidance that they actually truly desire. And when children are misbehaving and they have these behavioral issues and they have these feelings of, you know, that they're almost antisocial, they like to call it, or they're introverted. It's not really that is that they don't, they haven't found their place in the world yet. They haven't found their element. So for me, it's very important that I am nourishing that and I'm nurturing that for thousands. I'm hoping to affect thousands, hopefully millions of children by doing um, this work when it's ready, when it's time. Wow. That, that is such an inspiring, um, such an inspiring message and such an inspiring goal, you know, to aspire to. Um, generally, we will have people who will talk about, you know, well, I, I hope to make a bit of a difference, but, you know, it seems to be, and I guess it's, that that's really it. We shouldn't put limits on what it is we want to do. And it's okay that if we come short, but if we don't reach for the stars, we're never going to get anywhere. So this idea that you don't want to reach a small community, you want to reach a small thing, but you want to reach millions of people is, such a noble thing to aspire to and i can only um hope that i can support you in in whatever way that you know that i can do and make sure that this interview and this podcast reaches as many people as possible and talk about you and and you know and stuff like that in whatever way that i can if there's anything that i can do outside of this interview please let me know you know that that i can have to do it's such such an important thing um, I can't honestly say that, you know, I, I, I have had dreams to aspire to that. I just I just try to, as I said, find my own kind of purpose in this life and, and hopefully inspire and, and guide so many people. But you're right, you know, from an early age when I looked at the problems in this world and it just was overwhelming. And even back then before I was awakened, I always kind of said to myself, well, you would need to be a superman, you know, invincible because... Um, I think anyone who's kind of stuck their head above the parapet in the past has, has been taken out and thing. you'd almost need to be this invincible person. But it seems to be that you want to go about it in a completely different way. You're, you're causing ripples of a completely different kind of ripples of, of, of love and guidance and support. And it's, it's absolutely beautiful. But tell us about this Archangel Michael. How did you find that your lineage came from that? How could you, how could a lineage come from an Archangel even? 
Yeah. So it's very interesting. So I have in my own spiritual and galactic guide and she, she reads different universal kind of elements and energies and she can go into regressions past not just past lives not just like the akashic records she goes beyond that she goes into like the star line the moon line and like potentially other planets and other kind of that element like a universal element and I had met with her and I, like, like I said, like I've always been to refer to as an angel, even my sister, my family would call me their angel. Like my ex-husband would still call me as angel, even though I had left them. Like that name had always followed me. And I just, I never understood. I almost just thought that everybody was referred to in that way, that everyone was kind of, it was like a term of endearment. And when kind of that accident had happened and the crystal angel was the only thing, and I was always attracted to angels. I was always, I always wanted like little angel statues and like little angel this, like angels were just like, oh, I just love like the angelic feel, the angelic realm. And I always felt like a light energy and a very like, almost like a hugging energy. And I always felt that there was some type of shield around me as weird as that is like a, like an invisible shield of like protection. Like I always felt that like, it's so weird because even though I got into that accident, those things happened to me every time something bad happened around me, I was never there to witness it. It was not, it was always, I had just passed or I just missed it or something had happened. It was always like, I was not ever really in the vicinity of when that would happen and so, yeah, so then fast forward to life and I, I met with this beautiful spiritual guide and this galactic guide and she's very well known, like she's done over 400,000 people of readings. And she told me, she's like, do you know that you are actually from the lineage of Archangel Michael? Like you were actually part of his, like of his crew. And like, I guess there was over 100,000, 50,000 people that actually made it back to earth, like from her count. And she's like, you come from that lineage and that, that explains why the love and light is like so prevalent for you and why that term of endearment always came to you. So she just kind of aligned everything and kind of went into detail about certain things that I was feeling and certain things like of my character. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, how is that bang on? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, you were good. You just blew my mind. I started crying right away when she said it. Yeah. Yeah. And when I had first met my, my partner now, um, I knew he was the one, I knew he was the one I was going to spend my life with. And he had told me this story that he had died when he was, he was two, he drowned, he completely drowned. He, he was dead for over 40 minutes in a pool and cause they couldn't find him. He ended up going under the tarp of a pool. Anyways, they had found him and he was telling me this story and it was the first time we had physically met. And all of a sudden I got this whisper come on my right side. And she just said, we brought him back so you wouldn't live this life alone. And like my whole body just felt like embellished in love. And like, it was such like an incredible feeling. And I knew that moment he was the one. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just like I've had little experiences like that or little like uh, dreams that like the angelic realm comes to me or that mm -hmm. someone's giving me guidance. I've had images of Archangel Michael. I've had all these things happen throughout my life. I just never knew that it was a connection to something. Wow. What a, what a beautiful story. Very interesting, too, because I had a near-death experience in which I nearly drowned, too, and I, I don't know how long I was out of it, like, but somebody managed to, to rescue me when I jumped into, into the sea. Um, so it is interesting, but I don't know. I guess you've, you've talked about this before, and I guess part of that near-death kind of 
awakens you to a higher purpose um, or, or awakens something within you. But at the same time, as you turn around and say, you were very protected because it wasn't your your time to go yet, I guess. And I guess it's a bit difficult because we have this idea of free will and ultimately if we want to leave, we can't leave. But I guess maybe it did. in some way it just wasn't, it wasn't because you would work to do. You had work yeah. to do on this planet. I know um, that I had. I knew that I had work to do, and that's why I yeah. really needed to go and do that inner self reflection because I knew that my mission wasn't done. And someone had brought that up in a podcast, like after almost nearly after one of the incidents that happened, and he, he had said something similar. I was like, oh my god, it resonated with me so much, and it stuck with me. I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Like I just didn't think of it like that. I just I did the actions according to it. If that would have been the thought process. But I just didn't think of it in like the analogy that he had kind of shared with me. How easy was it for you to accept or did you, I guess you turned into you were always attracted to, to angels. You always had those kind of insights and those vibrations and stuff. But I guess I'm wondering how easy was it to accept, you know, the fact that you are from Michael or Archangel Michael's lineage you know was there any doubt in your mind did you think well this is even a step too far for me am I being oh. given negative information yet do I need to play with this at first because I'm just relating it to to my own kind of insights and revelations yeah when when it when she first had kind of dropped that on me and she hasn't met anyone else in this lineage so that to me, like I knew, like I, and I know her work, like I followed her for a very long time. So I knew um, the essence and the trueness of her work. So I really trusted what she said. It was later after, like when she said it to me, everything resonated, everything clicked, everything felt aligned. And I knew, I knew that what she had said was right. But the mind, right? The mind tries to interfere and put that negative self-doubt. Like, am I a little crazy? Like, oh my God, like how am I part of like, <laughs> you know, a lineage of angels? Like, how is this possible? I'm just me. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't have wings. And it's so funny because when I was a child, I had constant dreams that I was flying. I would be running. I would always try to run, run, run as fast as I can so that I could. And I would just take off flying in the air. And like years and years and years of that dream. So when she said that, oh, like you were in the skyline and you were, in the, you were by the star line and you were protecting the earth and all these things, I was like, oh my goodness, like everything she had said, like she knew those dreams. Like she knew that I had those dreams. She's like, they were just letting you know that, you know, like you were part of like a higher lineage. Yeah, that's amazing. I guess when you have an experience of that, it kind of makes you look back and reflect on your life. And then you realize that all the pieces were there. All the clues were there that you always kind of already knew, but you didn't, you know, couldn't put the pieces together. You know, for for me, I had similar kind of experiences. And whenever I accepted um, what was told to me, when I allowed myself to believe, you know, because a low part of you goes, I am, I know I'm thing. But whenever the information comes to you, I don't, I don't know. I don't accept that. It, it's too it's too unbelievable. It couldn't be. It couldn't possibly be. When I allowed myself to, to believe and go, okay, well, I can't find anything in this that would be untruth or would be causing, you know, could be of negative connotations. There's nothing in them that's going to make me have an ego about this, you know. Then I broke down crying too. It was such a release. It was like, I finally know who I am. I finally know who I am. And it clicks. And it clicks. And you know, because your entire life, you're like, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sit right. And then it just clicks. And you're like, yes, I finally found it. I know who I am. Now, 
it's the veil has dropped, you know, it, it's got this insight, you know, I know who I am beyond this human physical body, what I was searching for my entire life finally makes sense now. Yeah. You know, it's such a, the heavens part, the sun shines down just for you, birds tweaked in the air, your feet lift yeah. off the ground, you know, you begin to ascend and yeah. all those things kind of happen. It's such a beautiful, insightful, impactful, and it's, I guess it's a very private thing. So yeah. well done to you for, for actually revealing it, I guess, because um, I think a lot of people can get an ego about it, you know, and kind of become boastful and really at the end of the day, I'm trying to think of the right words to say, you know, you don't have an ego about it and it's fantastic and beautiful. And there's, there's nothing really to be gained by revealing that you're only actually setting yourself up for a target for people who wouldn't understand that to, to criticize you and to, to, to think to talk about you in negative connotations. So yeah. I just think it's beautiful that you've done that. And the fact that you don't have an ego about it and from discovering that there to, to know what your mission is, is, is just beautiful. That's all I can say. Just beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what, like, I don't care what people think of me. And I thought about that for a long time, like even like telling family and friends, like that this is like the reading that I had. And I know that this is the connection. Yeah, like I felt like strange, like, oh, they're gonna think like, oh, my God, like, what is she on? (laughs) But I know in the depth of my soul, and that's all that matters to me. It's me that needs to contend with me at the end of the day. It's me that needs to be in alignment with my soul it's me that needs to love myself no one else yeah have you had any more confirmations of that i'm just wondering has there been any signs that yeah yes <laughs> yeah like numbers, I, numbers come to me very very frequently and i'll get little signs all the time like i'll get i'll be like okay can you give me a sign like i'll be walking by a dog because i have a very strong connection to the animal kingdom and i'll I'll be walking by a dog. I'll be like, okay, like, will this dog come and see me and just kind of greet me? And all of a sudden the dog leaves the owner and comes and <laughs> comes and greets me across the street, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just thinking of myself too. I have a very, some reason I, I always kind of wondered, I know now what the reason is, but I have a very strong connection to ancient Egypt. And there have been a few things that, that kind of came to me. And one of them primarily was I, I got, um, um a, a lady to do a drawing of my main spiritual guide and it was a kind of um what can i say it, it was there was a lot of symbolism in it yeah there was a lot of symbolism there was a lot of shamanic going on shamanism um but there was also these um egyptian cats in it so that was kind of one one thing to me just revelations that i've had and kind of my partner you know she had a reading of a a psychic and was told that she used to be an egyptian princess and so just as you say there's different confirmations if you were of any doubt about it and we do have doubt about it we do receive confirmation along our way to to reinforce them it it really is fantastic roxanne i I could talk all day about (laughs) this but unfortunately we could we're we're gonna have to end it at some stage i i i I do have to go (laughs) yes i I have something to do I know, but I, I truly do mean that. If there's anything that I can do once you, you know, hopefully discover your purpose outside of promoting this interview, outside of promoting your work, 
please feel free to contact me and, and let Thank me know you. and I'll, I'll do my best you're such an inspiring person um, I've really enjoyed talking with you you've so much to say and, and so much um, knowledge about you and articulate yourself so so well um, if people hopefully um, want to to look into your work and want to take advantage of some of the things that you offer yeah. where can they find you yeah, they can find me on my website at www.roxanne, R-O-X-A-N-N-E, last name is C-H-A-P-U-T.com, and my social media handles are all under that name as well. Beautiful. If there's one thing that you've learned in your journey, is there one guiding principle that you can sum up and, and, and leave to the viewers, leave to the listeners that you can maybe quickly impart as a nugget of your wisdom? Trust yourself. Trust your intuitive Trust your intuition, trust your instinct, trust your energy. Don't let the mind interfere. Absolutely beautiful. Short, succinct, sweet. Roxanne, it has been an absolute pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you so much for connecting with me. Thank you for agreeing to take part in this. I will send as much help, as much light uh, to you, your journey, your mission. And as I said, good luck with the future. Um, and we'll see about that guest spot. Thank you. Oh, I'm coming to you. <laughs> We're getting you out of your box. <laughs> mm-hmm.